Hello, and welcome to Freedom Through Truth, brought to you by Ministries of Wayne Weaver, bringing the freedom of God through the truth of God's Word. Let's tune in to today's program. Which was the other one that helped. Aholiab and Bezalel were the two that were working in gold and silver in the development in making the tabernacle. And it had to be done just perfectly. And when you have a job and a task with no tools like they had, you had to have a special skill. And that skill came by the Holy Ghost. Have you ever thought maybe some of the skills that you have might have been divinely impugned on you by the Holy Ghost? It happened so here. Never take things for granted. Never honor yourself with gifts that God gives you. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab, and every wise-hearted, notice that word went right after that. After he called them, he called them wise-hearted, and he called every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him up, to come unto the work to do it. So there's two things. Remember what I said this morning about Jesus sleeping in your boat. If Jesus is sleeping in your boat, your heart's not going to be stirred up. It says that he called on the ones that had the wisdom put into them and whose heart stirred up. I believe that's a sign of wisdom. When the heart stirs up, when the heart is involved in it, the heart becomes moved by certain things. He called them to do the work. Now we leave that and we go to another instance. I'm not dwelling long on any of these. Remember, there's more messages coming. First Samuel chapter 11 verse 6. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings, and his anger was kindled greatly. When the Holy Ghost came on Saul, he got angry. He got angry over the enemy. Have you ever heard anything like that? You think when the Holy Ghost comes, he certainly wouldn't permit that. Well, that's what happened when Saul, when the Spirit of God came on Saul, it says he got angry and he went out after the enemy. Even though later on he messed up, you understand, I'm not justifying that part. Now I go to 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 20. And Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, so David had a company of prophets around him. Look, look at this story. This is very interesting. He had a company of prophets that were prophesying, which was very much the way it was back then, and Samuel standing as appointed over them. The Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. What happened is the messengers were brought in, or these from Saul were brought in to spy out and to look where David was at, and perhaps even take him captive. But it was spies that were sent. They were not sent for this purpose. But when they came in the influence of where the Holy Spirit was and where they were prophesying, they started prophesying as well. I find that very unique, that it can have that kind of influence, that when the Holy Spirit is moving here in David's camp, and the enemy comes in to spy out, they get moved as well, and they start prophesying as well. It's very interesting. 
You see, the power of the Holy Spirit is really powerful. It is really powerful. Look at the earth. Look at the situation where, where the earth was. It was void, empty. Look what we have today. The majestic side of the earth. I mean, there's some awesome, awesome place. I've traveled 24 countries, all the states in the U.S., most of the provinces in Canada. And I continue to be amazed at how beautiful this thing is. It's beautiful. I love the way this earth looks in a lot of places. The mountains, the, the beauty of, of things. It's, it's amazing. The canyons and all that. God made it so that he will be glorified. If he can take something as nasty as this ball of void was, look what he can make because it's the same spirit. Look what he can make over a person that is in the same condition, which I would say all of us were at one point in a condition like that. Maybe some of us are still in that condition, but we've propped ourselves up so that the Holy Spirit sees that you're doing a good job yourself. You really don't need me. You remember how that goes, how the story went, how those uh, people from the Soviet Union came over right after the wall was taken down. They came over and they looked at, the, they wanted to see these magnificent heavenly churches and places where all this gospel is coming from, from the United States of America. And they visited churches that were big in number and so forth. And they went back and they asked him, what was the most marvelous thing that you've seen in the churches in America? And they said that so much can be done without the Holy Ghost. Yeah. They marveled how that the church can have all the activity and all the things and reach so many thousands abroad without the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. If you're at a place where you don't have to depend on the Holy Spirit, I'll make this declaration and you might not like it, but you've learned very well to do it yourself. You might not need divine assistance today. And if you don't need divine assistance, you certainly won't get it. Maybe you do need divine assistance. Maybe some of you are very weary and are war-torn, and you've been able to just kind of drag along. To me, it's, that's not a shame. You're coming to a place where, you, where the Holy Spirit is looking into your situation. And I'm not saying go out and just sin up and all that. No, that's not at all what I'm saying. God knows the condition of all of our hearts. He knows whether Jesus is sleeping in our boat. He knows how much of our own actions and our own activity is from my own flesh, my own power, my own source. And He also knows the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. He knows what our thoughts are. He knows whether we've got this thing figured out. I've said like this, the two biggest enemies I have ever encountered in my life, number one, I think, is the devil. Number two, the natural mind. Those are the two biggest enemies. And outside those two enemies, I don't know a whole lot that there are enemies. Because the natural mind can figure it all out. And he has such a convincing story that's exactly what happened to Eve. Eve had a convincing story to Adam. The serpent had a convincing story to Eve. And they both yielded. 
I want to come to a close here real soon. In Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19, most of us know this. And I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh. We've said that, we've repeated it. What does it ex exactly mean? Well, okay. So I will give them one heart, means united. I will give them a united heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh. I was in a meeting the other night when one of the brothers in here uh, made a statement, and I, that'll always stay with me. There was a decision that was being made on a certain thing. Should we do this? Should we do that? Should we do this? Should we do that? And he just looked and he said, it looks like a lot of stones in that path. I would vote no. Ah. Unless the path is clear. And he, he, he said that, and I'll always remember that. I always, it's like the wind, you know, the, the, when the sound of going. You know, I've talked about that years ago to you. The sound of going that, uh, what was the man? It was David that he heard in the mulberry tree. He said, at the sound of going, it says the sound of going, or the wind, but it said the sound of going. That means everything in you says go, so go. But when you see the path that you are on and has a lot of obstacles, you're proud on the wrong path. I'm talking about stones. Might be very narrow, but you can easily walk on it. But if you have stones on them, you're probably got sidetracked somewhere and you're not in the right place. He just made that statement. Looks like that path has a lot of stones on it, and I would, I would decline my vote to say that's the way to, to do it or go. Here he says, I will take the stones out of your heart, the obstacles out of your heart, and give you a heart of flesh. And when you have a heart of flesh, there's no stones in them. You see, flesh and stones don't grow together. I don't think there's one person here that has in, in, or intermeshed in their heart, their physical heart, some stones. Those two don't work. The heart will stop quick if you put a stone in it. So he said he will take the stony heart out and give you a heart of flesh. One that pumps with saltness. One that he can do things with it. One that he can give life to the rest of the body. That's what he will do. And he'll do it by way of the Holy Spirit. I, I will give them one heart. I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh. And I will give them a heart of flesh. Now, I'm, that's all I'm going to speak about that. We go to coming down to some final things here. One thing that I also noticed in the Old Testament concerning the Holy Spirit. That God demanded, there's three places of dwelling that we read about in the Bible where he was, uh, where he is present. Number one, he was in the tabernacle on the Ark of the Covenant on top of the mercy seat. There, God's presence was, okay? The other place was the temple. The temple. He was on the Ark again on the mercy seat, in the temple, behind the veil, in the tabernacle, behind the veil. The third place we read about, he is in on the throne. He is on the throne. That we read about in Revelation. There's three things that God demanded in every place. Where his presence is, 
He demanded that seven golden candlesticks be lit and be in his presence in the holy place, in the tabernacle. In the temple, he demanded the same thing. There had to be seven golden candlesticks that were always lit and always burning, same way in the tabernacle. On the throne, he says the same thing. He has the lampstands that are burning in his presence. As we sit here today, that we know is true, according to Revelation. Those are the three T's. And they come only through the cross that we can come into that same situation. But what I want to say, the, 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 the seven spirits of God that it speaks about in Revelation, I want to speak about that in one of the messages I also thought about maybe putting out in one of my weekly messages that I send out. Maybe I'll have a description of that in one of the messages. What are the seven spirits of God that we read about in the book of Revelation? What are the seven spirits of God? I noticed that somehow God always wanted the presence of the lampstand, which is a type of the Holy Spirit, called the seven spirits of God in the book of Revelation. He always wanted that to be around him. What did this, the lampstands do? They brought light, not natural light. As I've told you many years ago in the teaching of the tabernacle, that if natural light shone or somehow beamed into the holy place, it defiled it. And then they had to slaughter a calf again and apply the blood because it was defiled light, it defiled illumination. God did not want, nor did he ever allow, that the natural light would ever shine in his holiness, in the holy place. Only the lampstand. Thank you for listening to today's program. We hope you were blessed. This program is made possible by the generous donations of our listeners. Check out our website and get our weekly word e-letter by signing up at www.ministriesofwayneweaver.com. Until next time, God bless.